Today on the Accounting for You podcast, we have a very special guest, Anna Price. She's a partner with Jenkins Fenstermaker. Anna, what are we talking about today? Well, thanks for having me, Chris and Jay. Today, we're going to be talking about the importance of estate planning. We're going to be talking about, especially for small business owners, business succession, and the different options for estate planning, and maybe some horror stories if you don't have your proper estate planning. All right. Well, stay tuned for that. I'm looking forward to that. Welcome to the Accounting for You podcast, brought to you by the accounting firm of Adkins and Reynolds CPAs. This podcast is designed to provide relevant tax and accounting information to help you and your business succeed. If you enjoy listening in, please like and subscribe to our channel. Now, on to the show. So, uh, so Anna, when uh, when we're setting up an estate plan, do you have any warnings for anyone? I do. I do. Probably the biggest piece of advice that I can give to anyone setting up an estate plan is to know the difference between that probate and non-probate property. So what do I mean by that? Okay. I'm going to use my parents as an example, okay? They have three children, okay? We all three live in different cities. I live the closest to them. I see clients all the time say, I've put my child that lives the closest to me on all my bank accounts. Mm-hmm. That way they can help me pay my bills when I pass away. But what happens is when they pass away, those accounts become mine. Now, I would never do this, Chris and Jay, but some children (laughs) would not share that with their siblings, despite Mm -hmm. the fact that their siblings are supposed to share in it. And she won't do it because we have it on recording. That's right. That's right. I'm also not on their account. So my advice is don't put your kids on the accounts. Let them use those powers of attorney to work with it. So let me give another example. Let's say that I leave Jay. My, I make him the beneficiary of my life insurance. I put him on all my bank accounts and I make sure he's on my IRA as the beneficiary. Okay. But I write a will that leaves everything to Chris. Mm -hmm. And I tell everybody when I die, I want Chris to have everything. Well, I've got really bad news for Chris when I die. Because even though he has an original will that says he gets everything, all he's going to be left with are probably the contents of my closet. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot, but it's probably not your style. (laughs) But Jay is going to be the one who gets all of my financial assets. Sorry, Jay, it's not that much. But <laughs> but it's okay. more than what Chris got. Right. Um, or maybe it's what made Chris's share even larger. I don't know. Um, so it, it's important to keep that in mind that you are, you are protecting your assets from outside sources. Another issue with that is if, heaven forbid, I got divorced and my name is on my parents' accounts, their accounts just came into my divorce proceeding, even though I didn't add a dollar. So that's alarming when you think about that. Never open up your assets to your children's creditors. Another thing that we've come across when we get the question many times is, uh, um, I have an older parent, so we want to move their house into my name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and trying to you know protect for different things. Sure. And we normally, from our perspective, advise against it because of tax basis. That's but I'm right. sure there's legal implications to that too. Absolutely. And just the example I gave, Jay. I mean, if I get divorced and my parents' house is in my name. That house is now involved in my divorce proceeding. If I get 
in a car accident and get sued above the terms of my insurance, same issue. Mm -hmm. So that's that's my biggest warning for, for estate planning. Probably a close second are the people who encourage using an online will uh, generator. Mm. I won't use any names <laughs> of any of those those websites, but we see this quite a bit. And as an attorney who also does probate litigation, I don't mind if you do those online wills or not, because at that point, it's probably going to end up in litigation. And lawyers make a lot more money in litigation than they do in estate planning. Right. So uh, that's a warning I have. It's worth the cost up front to go see an attorney, make sure that it's done correctly, make sure your wishes are carried out, or your entire estate may be eaten up in legal court fees yeah. after you pass. And that's not what the individual had in mind, I'm sure. No. You know, in 13 years, I have yet to hear anybody say that they want all of their money to go to lawyers. They want all their money to go to the IRS. Uh, those things just haven't haven't come up yet. Right. <laughs> Well, so I'm sure you have some, you know, some success stories. So Absolutely. And I know you said we kind of teased this with some horror stories. So yes. maybe give us one success story that you have about helping an individual or, or however, however you want to go with that. Sure. But we definitely want to hear some horror stories, I think. Well, let me, absolutely. <laughs> so let me tell you um, a success story. Okay. Um, and this is just a fun story. Uh, I had a client come in and she, I said, what can I help you with today? And she wanted to do an estate plan. And I said, well, what, what brings you to doing an estate plan today? She said, well, I just turned 100 yesterday and just thought that I would go ahead and get a will in place. So, uh, and the good news was she wasn't too late. Uh, but we had a great conversation and she was able to get her will in place. And she lived three more years and uh, awesome. passed away. And everything went smoothly because she was able to do that. Another uh, great success story that I've had is, when a client has called me and said, Dad fell, he is in the hospital, he seems confused, and I need to make sure his bills are paid. What can I do? And I remind them that we did these powers of attorney just for that purpose. Okay. So Dad's in good hands. Well, he's being cared for by medical professionals. Children can go ahead and continue to take care of things. So that always really encourages me that I'm in the right place yeah. when those those plans come together. Those are the kind of stories that make you want to come back every day, right? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And there's nothing better than seeing a plan come into place uh, for anything. I mean, right. even when you're doing a recipe or something, when, yes. it, when it's perfect, <laughs> you can't beat that. <laughs> All right. So now the moment we've been waiting for, what's your most horrible story that you can share with us oh my goodness so my most horrible story um that really puts some pressure on it but i will i will say that doing some probate litigation i definitely get to see what happens when things don't go correctly um one of the first cases i had out of law school that lasted a very long time involved a will that talked about a tangible personal property list that was attached to it. And you could see what had clearly happened. The decedent had marked out some things. She had tried to modify her own will, essentially. And that case mm. ended up in court, went to our Supreme Court here in West Virginia, and ended up with 
really nobody getting anything out of it because it was in litigation for so long. So that's that's one horror story. Mm. I'll say another another horror story that um, we see quite often is when a client comes in and tells me the differences in their in their children. And this particular client came in and said, son number one is very responsible, always checks on his mother, very financially stable, has a great family. Son number two has made some bad decisions, some bad choices, and I'm I'm not sure what to do. And as parents, you know that you don't always treat your children exactly the same. You might love them equally, but you don't treat them equally. And I always try to advise parents about that. You don't have to treat your children equally. Well, in this scenario, the son who was not the responsible, you know, the, the financially stable son found out about the drafts of, of the wills and the trusts that we were putting together, which obviously made uh, some difference between how he and his, his brother were going to be treated. And he um, abused his mother to the point that we had to get law enforcement involved. Um, we had to press charges. And of course, that makes some changes to those documents. So definitely some situations there mm. where um, your state plan is private. And you should only share it with your family if you're really comfortable in doing that. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the beauties of an estate plan is it can be the most honest document you ever have because you never have to be held accountable for it. So it's very important that your wishes are what are reflected there Mm -hmm. um, and that you don't let the pressure. Yeah, so that that brings up an interesting question um, because I have some clients that will talk and say, well, everybody knows what my will says. Um, I've already told them that way. There's no surprises. I have other clients that'll say, absolutely not. It's under lock and key. What's your recommendation? I think it depends on the family, Chris. Mm -hmm. I think it really depends on the relationship you have with your children. Um, Sometimes you don't tell all of your children, but you tell one of them. I do think it's important that you make sure that, that the people you have designated as executors or guardians know about that. In fact, that was a, an issue in Michael Jackson's will. Mm. He did not let uh, the the people know who were designated as guardians that they would be guardians of his children after he passed, and that created a lot of issue with his will. So those are things to, things to consider. Make sure that people know that they're in that, that they're in the documents, how they're designated in the documents, but also... Keep some privacy. Yeah. Okay. So do you have any, uh, someone that's maybe going through an estate plan and they're having uh, trouble deciding on who the executor should be mm-hmm. or the guardian of their children? We can maybe come back to that one, but let's start with the executor. Uh, is there any tips, tricks, rules of thumb that maybe someone should think about when it comes to picking an executor? I would say don't rule out the corporate options. If you're having a really hard time deciding about an individual, Mm -hmm. 
you might not have an individual in your life that is the the right choice. So don't rule out a corporate fiduciary acting on your behalf. Or maybe a co-fiduciary situation is going to be a better option for you. So I, I think that you look for somebody who is financially responsible, somebody who is good at following directions, Mm -hmm. good with some bureaucracy, filling out paperwork, diligent and timely. And I think if you don't have somebody that fits that description, you probably need to consider a professional. So don't just ask your brother-in-law who... Maybe you shouldn't be asking. <laughs> right, right. Absolutely. There's another issue that I've come across before, age and health. Absolutely. Yeah, don't ask great-grandparents to do it that you know, honestly may not be around that long. That's right. That's right. And depending on who your beneficiaries are, if your beneficiaries are young children, you don't want your parents to be the only personal representatives in your plan. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Now, as far as like uh, when children are involved and you have to appoint guardians, you have is there any rules of thumb there? Is that just personal preference only? I think it's personal preference, but I also think it's the people that you think are going to raise your children most like you are. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, this was the, the first parental argument that my husband and I had. Um, <laughs> our son is two, and we were on our way home uh, from picking him up from the NICU. We were on our way to our house for the first time. And, of course, as an estate planning attorney, I bring it up like an idiot, right? I'm like, well, who do you think his guardian would be? And, you know, it was one of our first disagreements. We didn't even know how we were going to parent at that point. So it's very difficult to say who we think would parent most like we would. Um, There's never going to be an option that's going to be as good as you. Right. So you have to go for the next best thing. But putting that in there is really important because it does give the court your personal preference for who you would want to be taking care of your children if you are not able. Okay. Now, when you're talking about taking care of your children and you have a guardians going mm-hmm. on here, um, how does that uh, work financially? Is that handled inside a will? Is that a trust? What You mean how, how paying the guardian for their service? No, no um, providing for the children. Oh, providing for the children. So that's, that's a great question, too. So generally, you're going to leave your assets. If you're doing proper estate planning, you're probably going to leave your assets in trust for your children. And your trustee is going to be the person who manages the assets inside that trust for the children. And they are going to be able to make the decisions on how these distributions are made. If they are not the same person as the guardian, and oftentimes they're not because the person you trust to raise your children may not be the person you trust to manage your Mm -hmm. assets, the guardian is going to ask for those distributions from the trustee until your children are an age of majority where they can ask directly. Okay. Hmm. Something to think about for... And in that situation, (laughs) the trustee has sole discretion as far as the finance. Depending on how the document is written. Mm -hmm. Generally, I I like to give the trustee a lot of discretion in plans like that, um, especially when the children are so young. You know, Mm -hmm. with with my two-year-old son, I don't know what kind of... um, adult he's going to be. I don't know what kind of money manager he's going to be. I know that if he knew what money was right now, he would only buy Hulk toys and Cookie Monster (laughs) toys. So I know, I know that, um, you know, he would need somebody to assist with that. 
Yeah, and then obviously in dealing with trusts, there's those uh, I've I've seen trusts that will maybe distribute remaining balances to beneficiaries at certain intervals of their life. Sure, uh, almost where the trust is still ruling someone's life even when they're much older. That's right. Um, do you have anything That's, thoughts on on those kind of rules or thoughts? With everything else. Estate planning has trends, Mm -hmm. right? And so the trend used to be, and I still read trusts very often that say, distributions to my children at ages 25, 30, and 35, as if those are some magical ages when your children become responsible. Um, And I understand the fear. You don't want your child to receive something at 18, 21. could have a very different ending. Mm -hmm. But when you think of those arbitrary ages, 25, 30, 35, there was a study done at, a, at one of the national estate planning conventions. And the, what they did was they determined that most distributions paid out at 35 and the most popular age for divorce was 36. And mm-hmm. I don't think those two <clears throat> things are unrelated uh, because a trust can preserve those assets to protect them in the event that your child gets divorced. So if that child gets divorced and then after they've received the assets, these assets could be divided in mm-hmm. the divorce. So I don't know that an age is always the best idea. I think it really depends on your children's situations. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe you have a child that is very responsible and you see that they are going to be very responsible. In that regard, I think maybe an age is okay. You can kind of see where it's going. But at, at my stage in parenthood with a mm-hmm. two-year-old, I'm not willing to put an age on it quite yet. Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> I'm in very similar situation. I'm in a very similar situation. So yes, I could not. I, yeah, I can see that. And my situation's a little different. Two right. kids in college that right. we have done hours, and we do have a couple age stipulations. Sure. So I, I think yeah, that's good to know that it's not the right fit for everyone. That's right, yeah. and. Jay, I think that that is a common theme through estate planning. Mm-hmm. It is not one size fits all. Mm-hmm. Which is a good reason to not use the internet for your estate plan, but that's to actually go to a person like Anna who can write it specific to your, uh, you know, your situation, your family, your business, and that's get right. it get it tailor tailor made for you. That's exactly right. The internet may not ask the appropriate questions to know all the information. <laughs> that, I think that that's a, that's probably a safe bet, Jay. That, yeah. that it will not. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, Anna, is there anything you know, kind of final thoughts? Anything that you you know we've not really talked about that you think is very important for our listeners? Well, I think those warnings are really important. I think you just made a great point that you know you should be seeing an advisor for this. You should be seeing an attorney to write your estate plan. But if you're the attorney you're seeing is not asking for a full picture of your assets, they're not asking nosy questions about your kids, mm-hmm. your spouse, your marriage, they're not they're they're doing you a disservice. They're not doing the job that they should be doing. Estate planning should be comprehensive. They should know who your accountant is when when you leave. They should know who your financial advisor is mm-hmm. when you leave. And if they haven't asked you for additional information, you've probably given them everything that that they need to prepare the plan. But when they send you those documents, keep in mind that those are drafts. So make sure that you're comfortable with it. And if you don't understand something in them, by all means, ask the attorney to review it. Yeah, makes sense. But Jay, do you have any final thoughts? So we haven't anything we haven't mentioned here. Uh, I was just going to say about the things we have mentioned, there Mm -hmm. is an extreme uh, amount of wealth 
that Anna has provided us with a lot of knowledge that's extremely important. And uh, we appreciate that very much. Yeah. Thank you, Jay. Yeah, I really absolutely. appreciate absolutely. you guys having me. Yeah. So if you have, uh, if you if you'd like to reach out to Anna directly, we'll have her contact information in the show notes, and you can get in touch with her. And be sure that you tell her where you uh, got her information, so that she can report back and let us know that our listeners uh, contacted you. Um, but uh, if we don't have anything else, I think we can close it out here. Uh, but uh, maybe hopefully one one of these days we'll have Anna back and maybe yeah. maybe delve into even more specifics on wills and maybe some trusts and how trusts can work. I'd love uh, it. Work in with things. But uh, until then, we will see you on the next Accounting for You podcast. Thank you for taking time today to listen to our podcast. We appreciate listeners like you and ask that if you enjoy what you hear, please like and subscribe to our channel to ensure you receive the latest episodes as soon as they come out. If you have any questions about the topic we discussed today or would like more information on becoming a client, please do not hesitate to contact our office by visiting arcpas.com or theaccountingpodcast.com.